Hi, and welcome to the Watermark Equipping Podcast, a monthly conversation about faith-seeking understanding from Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Caitlin Van Wagner, one of your hosts, and this is my co-host, Oren Martin, the Senior Director of Equipping here at Watermark. Hey, Oren. Hey. We're ready to be back. I'm ready to be back. And we're excited to be here with John Elmore, one of our teaching pastors here at Watermark. Hey, John. CV, Oren, good to be with y'all. How are you? Doing great. We're pumped to have you. Thanks so much. Okay, Oren, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we've got in store for today's episode? Yep, so today uh, we wanted to talk about who God is. And, you know, as we thought about how to talk about God, there's really two questions that come to mind. Uh, Who is God and what is God like? When we think about who is God, we think about who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit personally to us. and, you know, we thought about there's there's so much we could talk about. We'll split it into two episodes so you can look out for uh, another episode on the Trinity. But we want to talk about specifically what is God like. And when we think about what is God like, we're thinking about uh, his nature. We're thinking about uh, what qualities we, we can talk about God. Uh, who, who is God? What is he like? Uh, what what qualities, what perfections does, does he possess uh, that he's revealed to us in his word? And I mean, even there, we are getting into a deeper question when we think about, you know, the way Christians have talked about what is God like, they, they talk about it in terms of, of his incommunicable attributes and his communicable attributes. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, so when we talk about God's incommunicable and communicable attributes, we're talking about the qualities or characteristics or attributes that God alone possesses. So we can't be like God when we talk about God's eternality or God's mm-hmm. self-existence. You know, I, I don't hear anybody talk about, hey, I'm self-existent. I don't need food. I don't need air. I don't need water. I don't need sleep. That's a quality that God alone possesses. Versus when we talk about God's communicable attributes, it's it's things that he communicates or shares with us. So God is wise. And yet, as Christians, we are called to be wise. Uh, as God is love, so we are called to love others as God has loved us. So these are very important distinctions to think about how God is not like us, how God uh, is like us, or how we can be like God. Yet, even there, uh, the, the, the communicable attributes are are attributes that God alone is. So even even the ways we can be like him, mm-hmm. we can only be like him in finite ways. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about how we can be like God, his communicable attributes, and how God is not like us, his incommunicable attributes. So before we get there, I want to dive in. Why does it matter to know what God is like? Yeah, that's a great question. Why it matters what God is like is because God has revealed his character to us. I mean, that is so amazing that, that we don't have to grasp or, or, or grope in the dark. You think about Acts 17 when Paul stumbles across the, the folks, the Areopagus, and they're worshiping so many gods. In fact, they want to cover all their bases so they have an altar to an unknown God in case they missed one. And, and Paul says— Look, this God that you are are trying to worship based on your own kind of pursuit, God has actually revealed himself to us, and we can know him. And he talks about how God has life in himself. He's not, uh, he doesn't live in a temple made by man. He's not served by human hands as though he needed anything. So as God has made himself known to us, we can know who God is and be fueled to worship in light of who God is. Mm-hmm. John, what would you add about why it's important to know what God is like? So I think in our lives and as we live among all of mankind and we're walking this earth, there's an application here of understanding the value of every person because we are made in the Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. Going all the way back to Genesis, when he made Adam and Eve, he made them in his image. And so we do have these reflections of God. Like when I say, uh, hey, you are true, you're loving— You are, but not to the nth as God is. We have a reflection of it, though broken through sin, and because we're not God, clearly, it's not to the nth as God's is. 
but we have this in the sense of of morality and and justice. We have these things that are a part of us because we know that we're made in his image and thus have dignity and love for our fellow man, but also in a sense to know that we are not in the fullness of what Mm -hmm. God is, which results in worship Mm -hmm. and frankly can lend itself even towards a a longing for more of him because we know our our brokenness and thus need for him. Okay. So it's important to know what God's like because I'm hearing from you, it helps fuel our worship. And I'm hearing from you, it helps us understand because we were made in his image. So in some ways, it helps us understand God more and also helps us understand ourselves more to understand the attributes of God. All right, let's dive in. Um, Okay, so our first question is, how can't we be like God? So this is the incommunicable attributes we're talking about. John, why don't you start us off? So uh, as I think about incommunicable, this is— we can define them, but we will never know the depth of them. So we can put words around it, and yet they will eternally fall short because God is beyond our understanding. The finite cannot define the infinite. The created cannot clearly articulate the creator. And so we can speak to, like, omnipresent. He's all-present everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. These are things that we can speak to, and yet they're far, so far, like mind-blowingly beyond our comprehension or understanding. And so that would be incommunicable. Or you could use another word that you'll hear theologically as inscrutable. Okay, what does that mean? That that you can know him personally, we can know about him, but we'll never fully be able to articulate or understand the depth of God. So this is important to me because I think sometimes when I, and we're going to get to some of the more incommunicable attributes, because I think sometimes I understand some of the words you're saying. So you've talked about independent, you've talked about self-existent, omniscient, these ideas. And I understand them, but not quite. Like my brain gets there, but I also go, I don't, sometimes I can't fully wrap my brain around it. And that's what you mean by inscrutable and the idea that the finite cannot fully understand the infinite. Yeah, like very broken analogy. But if I'm like, hey, the Mariana Trench Mm -hmm. is deep. It's like, Without like going there, mm-hmm. you'll have no idea, and that's actually measurable. Like we have we have gone to the depths of the Mariana Trench in the Pacific. This is like that's so infinitesimal compared to the eternal. So we can speak to it, but we we truly have no category or understanding. When we say God is love, it's like or or the incommunicable that He is omniscient, uh-huh. all knowing, and we've gotten a psalm that He knows a word before it's even on our tongue. It's like such. And I think that brings, fr- there's some freedom in that of going, we don't have to have it all figured out. And there's also fun of knowing, hey, we're going to get to spend a lifetime and we'll never know him Absolutely. enough. Absolutely. In, in eternity. And even to Oren's point, it just results in worship and awe and glory uh, to think like, God, you're so much more. Mm-hmm. So you can have definition without fullness of depth of understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can have knowing without full knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's so amazing to think, you know, even though we can't not can't know God fully, we can know him truly because God has spoken to us in ways that we can understand. And I think about Paul, you know, and you think about the the you know, Romans 1 through 8 where Paul unpacks the the glorious knowledge of salvation and how God has made himself known, how God has acted for his his creatures who are sinners uh, through the the personal work of Christ and bringing them salvation and Paul, you know, unpacks the glories of our salvation. And I think, man, what knowledge Paul had uh, as God moved him to write the things that he that he wrote. And yet Paul comes to the end of Romans chapter 11 and he ends with, oh, the depth 
of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, who has, has given something to him that, that he might be paid back. You should from memorize him. that verse. That's right. I should memorize <laughs> that verse. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So in other words, as, as much as Paul unpacked that the glories of the knowledge of God's saving ways in Christ, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay, so what are some other attributes of God that are incommunicable. Yeah, other attributes of God that are in, incommunicable in addition to, to you know, God's um, self-existence, uh, you know, that God has life in himself. When you think about, I don't, I don't have life in myself, right? I, I, I derive life from, from so many other things, right? From relationships, from, from food. We move back to Texas where, where the, the life-giving food of Tex-Mex and barbecue <laughs> is here. Like, that's amazing, right? But God doesn't need that outside of himself. So, you know, we even think about God's, we talk about God as infinite, which is just a, it's a fancy word. Really, it, 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 it just pushes through all of his attributes. God's infinitude means that he's not limited by the things that we're limited by. Mm-hmm. He transcends the very limitations that we experience. So, you know, when you apply that to, to time, we're limited by time, right? I, I actually was a couple of minutes late to our podcast this morning. God is never late, right? Uh, when we think about— We forgive you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, Just... And you heard it here, folks. <laughs> uh, you know, we think about space, right? We're, we, we can only be at one time and at one place. Not so with God. God transcends those very limitations, right? He's He's as fully present with us Christians in America than He is with Christians in China mm-hmm. and in India and in Turkey. I mean, that is an amazing gift that God is with His people. He, he He doesn't take His mind off, right? He doesn't turn His back and kind of forget as He's dealing with the Christians in India who are suffering under persecution. He doesn't like, oh, I forgot about the Americans there. No, He's with us, fully with us, fully mm-hmm. present at every point of space and every point of time. So we think about God transcends space. He transcends time. Uh, you know, we think about God's, uh, uh, He's eternal. Right? You think about Psalm 90, verse 2, uh, that from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And He's and He's contrasting that with the mountains that He made. Uh, he's contrasting that later on. He'll say, so, so let us get wisdom because we only have just a few years on earth. Life is temporary. So let us get wisdom and live mm-hmm. wisely under God's hand. Not so with God. He's, he's He has no beginning. He has no end. Jesus okay. says, I need to camp out on that. Yes, let's camp out. Okay, because in my this might be heresy, which I've committed heresy on this podcast a couple <laughs> times already. So no one's it's no one's surprised by it. Um, does that mean that God created Himself? No, that's God is the un the only uncreated one. So think about Genesis one. I don't right? get it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the okay. earth. So, in other words, there was a beginning, but it wasn't God. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was was us, the mm-hmm. world that He made. It actually reminds me. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but there's a a, a theologian who asked uh, in probably around the 11th century, "What was God doing before creation?" And his answer was, "God was in Himself." He just existed as Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. Just a, a, a trinity of, of joy and life and delight and love, right? As Jesus says in John 17, with the with the joy, with the glory that we had from before the foundation of the world, right? God simply existed. And, you know, Luther comes along a few centuries later, and, he's, and he asked the same question, what was God doing before creation? And, and Luther's answer was God was preparing judgment for those who asked such questions because <laughs> those things just haven't been revealed to us, right? It's, it's speculation, but it is worthy to consider what was God doing before creation? God, God just was. Right? Mm-hmm. A trinity of life, right? It's it's amazing. Well, why does that matter to us? One, it does fuel our worship, but also I think of, of and John and I have talked about, 
we we look for life in in all kinds of places. We we look for life in oftentimes the wrong places, which brings to mind a country song, "Looking for love in all the wrong places." Oh, but looking for love, yeah. No, I don't want to sing bars? that. No? Uh, no, you don't want oh, that. Okay. Yeah, we would immediately well, lose followers in our podcast. Got it, got it, got it. But but we look for life, right? We look at we look for it in in putting our identity in things. We we put it in in money. We put it in positions. We put it in possessions. We put it in all kinds of things. Not so with God, right? And and so we we find our life in the one who is life, mm-hmm. right? That God has put eternity on our hearts because we know deep down we were made for something more than this life. Mm-hmm. And where do we find that life? In God, right? It's mm-hmm. amazing. So I think is the reason that we can we struggle sometimes with these, these attributes of God that are incommunicable is because it feels like we view them through our own limitations. Like my question is because I can't imagine something existing outside of time. Yeah. Is, that, yeah. is that one of the reasons why some of these just feel like, I almost can get it, but I can't. Yeah, everything we know, there was a time when it was not. There was a time when you were not. There was a time when that tree was not. There was a time when your car, when the college you went to was not. And the, and so that's our full category of existence. And yet there was never a time when God was not. And so you think like, well, where did he come from? And who, like, how did, and it's just, yes. you can't. It kind of sounds he like Job. Is. When God answers Job's question, right, where were you? When I created X, Y, and Z, right, and, and the answer was you're nowhere, right, because yeah. it was just me, right? right? And I mean that is, when we think about that, right? We it's wild. Yeah, we we and don't cool. You know, we don't go to the Grand Canyon to feel to feel great about ourselves. We go to the Grand Canyon because we want to see transcendence. Yeah. We want mm-hmm. to see greatness. Mm-hmm. And so as we meditate on these these qualities of God, these perfections of God, what does that make us feel like? It it makes us marvel as we stand before the ultimate transcendence, yeah. the mm-hmm. ultimate majestic one. Yeah. So, John, are there any other attributes of God, of his uh, incommunicable attributes of God that you want to touch on? Uh, I think in, in brief, so independent, meaning he needs no one, self-sufficient, meaning he needs no thing. So I think that's part of what we've just talked about, the eternal and unchanging that Orange just talked about, uh, and we've hit on the omniscient, on the present. What is your favorite incommunicable attribute of God? Oh, so— uh, this would probably fall to another question that I think we're going to address. Is like to to speak to a favorite would be kind of to elevate one above another, and so that's like it's a little bit of a, a tricky thing because if you say, "Well, I like this," then it diminishes another, okay. which which is a little um, a, a bit of kind of speaking to a, right. a preferential and a diminishing of another. But I think in different seasons of life. There can be different times where you're like, oh, my goodness, like that so speaks to me. And so uh, like with Laura walking through cancer, the omniscience mm-hmm. of God is like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't – the doctors are going to search for cancer cells that are invasive and gone beyond uh, the tumor. But you know, like mm-hmm. you, it, you, you know all, you see all. And so there's a, there's a comfort mm-hmm. in that. So I think in different times – I think I would discourage someone from saying I love this the most about God because it might diminish others. But yet, in different times, I think it really does. He he speaks to us in those ways and comforts us in those ways. And mm-hmm. yeah. okay. I think I think that's a really good word. Just in, in different seasons, some qualities of God are just more precious to mm-hmm. us. You think about just His grace. Like there's just times when I've been moved by God not giving me what I deserved, mm-hmm. and and God giving me what I didn't deserve, mm-hmm. right? But then other times, his knowledge, when you think about Psalm 139, right? You you know everything, right? There's a comfort for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Psalm 90 with with God being eternal. I think that God, you, you, are, you are never late. 
right? You're always on time. I can rely on you, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it, it, it bolsters, right? It, it, it gives us more confidence mm-hmm. in relying upon him. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I'm hearing is there are lots of ways that God is not like us. And um, that's okay if we can't understand all of that because we are finite and he is infinite. But ultimately, understanding and meditating on those fuels our worship. And then I'm also mm-hmm. hearing fuels our trust mm-hmm. in him because we understand his character, his unchanging yeah. character, and the ways that he's not like us. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the ways that uh, God is like us. How can we be like God? So, Oren, how can we be like God, the communicable attributes of God? Yeah. So, when we think about, you know, the communicable attributes, we, th- we think of, you know— and our, our listeners are going to could guess them, right? Love. Mm-hmm. Right? God is love. And yet we, we are called as Christians to, to love others, right? Um, be, because, you know, those who've been born of God loves those who've been born of God, as First John says. Or, you know, even as holiness, uh, be holy because I am holy. Uh, you, th- you think about, you know, God's goodness or you know, his, his justice. Th- those are qualities that, that we can share in. We, we can imitate him, you know, as Christians. As we seek to be like him, yet again, it's important to realize that that we can't perfectly mm-hmm. imitate or embody those things, right? The the only one who could perfectly imitate and embody those things is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. The second person of the Trinity who who took upon himself a human nature, right? And so he embodied these things. So, so you know, you think about you know this. I think this is important because we see all of the attributes of God be, become perfectly manifested mm-hmm. and revealed mm-hmm. supremely. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, so Jesus can say to, to you know to Philip in John fourteen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You, you've known God's character from the Old Testament and how He's delivered His people from the hands of the Egyptians, and you've, you've seen Him Him work with mighty signs and wonders, and you've seen Him speak and all these kinds of things. Yet Jesus says. And I, I am the full revelation of God, right? Mm-hmm. In, in former times, God spoke to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. And so we see the love of God in Christ. We see the justice of God in Christ. We see the mercy of God in Christ. And, and so it gives us a, a very tangible uh, uh, example of, of how we can imitate God because we've seen that embodied in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we can read through the gospel and say, Man, I'm fueled to love others like Jesus loved others. I'm I'm motivated to to have compassion on those who who are destitute, who who are in a lowly estate, because I've seen Jesus do that, and I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. John, how do you think about the communicable attributes of God? Well, I think uh, what he just said is super. Like that's why I love the Gospels, because uh, someone who who maybe knows about me maybe Instagram or from work or whatever, they could they could say, oh, John is like, and they could mm-hmm. give some things. Or then you could ask my kids or Laura who live with me. And, and in the Gospels, you get to go from uh, a the- theology to seeing like life on life and Jesus, God in flesh, walking among them. And so those, those communicable attributes are amazing. When I think about it, so the ones that we can know and understand, when I say, uh, Hey, someone sideswiped you in the thing, and it was a hit and run. You you sense that injustice. There's there's a justice hardwired into you because we we're created imago day, as we said earlier. Um, in in every marriage, you know when something's loving and unloving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's forgiveness and grace. So there's there's truth that we know. It's not. I mean, this day and age, everything's like so little t truth. I have my truth. You have yours. And yet, when we go to um, different disciplines, you know something's either true or not. Uh, these are opinions. We've we've lost the word what is true. We know holiness. Like there is a 
there's a perfection, a reverence, a righteousness. So those are things that we can understand. And I think where we can get into trouble um, as Christians, these folk theologies that have crept in, is we'll start to say, well, God is love and just love, and then like diminish or neglect mm-hmm. or altogether avoid his other attributes. And so he is, he is love to the nth, and he is also just to the nth. And those don't contradict each other. He's the fullness of all of those beyond our understanding, yet they are communicable. Mm-hmm. And so to, di- to diminish justice would be to really diminish his deity and godhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those are, um, I think it's really important as you think about that. He's merciful to the nth. He is just to the nth. He's holy to the nth. He's love to the nth. And so he perfectly fulfills every attribute that we just have a a glimpse of. And then I think the other thing that's important as you talk about communicable attributes, as James says, the word is a mirror to us, not just for information, but for transformation. That as we're reading like who God is and what is he like, and us being made in the image of God to realize we are not, we fall short, which just compels us and draws us into dependency to realize our own insufficiency. And not that we could muster that on our own, but through like a love and devotion and the spirit at work in us for believers, um, having trusted in Christ, that he would change us, that he would shape us more into his image. Okay. That was a lot there. The com- I love that the communicable attributes seem to be reveal a ton about our daily walk mm-hmm. with Christ. So what I'm hearing you, John, is you talked about the communicable attributes help us understand our insufficiencies um, and how Christ— and then Orin, you talked about because Christ embodied them fully— mm-hmm. Uh, our, the communicable attributes help us understand how we can imitate him, yeah. even in Christ's full yeah. full embodiment. Yeah, so and even even in imitating him, we we can we can imitate him because we are united with him by faith, which mm-hmm. is a super important teaching of, of 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 scripture, right? That because we've been united with the righteous and holy one, we can be holy and righteous be, because we've died with him who has definitively died to sin we can be holy we can be set apart from sin uh, because we've been united with the one who has been raised to life uh, we we can now uh, uh, live out who he was in terms of, of loving others and, and extending grace and mercy to others because we are united to the living, loving, gracious, merciful one. So even though it's not like, hey, I did these things for you a long time ago. Now try to go be like me apart from me. No, it's actually we're, we're united to him by faith. We have a new identity in Christ and he provides the resources because he is the source of those resources. We're united w- with him. And so we have the resources to be like him in mm-hmm. all of these ways, which is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I think just to think about, we have a God who would share attributes of himself with us. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really gracious. Yeah. And then also would want to be united with us in them. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get, I mean, just imagine what you just said. Imagine if he had not created us Imago Dei. Like, the, the chaos uh-huh. that would be rampant throughout this earth if we didn't have, if God had not made us somewhat in his image. Like, Total injustice, total. There mm-hmm. is total depravity. But if we didn't have some sense of morality and love, like an atheist mother loves her child mm-hmm. and cares for the child, and and senses when there's injustice and extends mercy. There's those reflections because he made us in his image, and yet all the more, like I think people get into trouble when it's like the Pharisees and every other religion, when they know, like, all right, God must be holy. 
he must be whatever, even though they're, they're false representations of God. They sense that because of what's been made. They know his eternal qualities and unchanging nature, and so they sense it, every man without excuse, and yet they're trying to muster by their own strength. Then I have to be too. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, apart from Christ and the Spirit of, at work in you. So to, so to go back can't. to the, the atheist mother there. who loves his loves their baby, is it fair to say, I'm going to frame something, and I want you to push back, that God shares his attributes of himself with non-believers? Yes. So I, I think the scripture represents this when he says he's he the Gentiles who do not know God he's written their law upon their hearts so mm-hmm. so people know every civilization for every millennium or century or time has always known it's wrong to murder wrong to steal wrong to rape wrong to lie like it's just written in every law that has ever existed from the Babylonians to the Akkadians to the Egyptians now they've got way whack uh, false doctrines about who God is. But God has wired that into us. And so, yes, they have expressions, albeit radically below God's, and then impossibly beyond the reach, apart from the drawing of the Father, the salvation of the Son, the working and sanctification of the Spirit. I think sometimes people refer to that idea as common grace. Is that yep. right? That's right. And that I was is about sh- to say that. Oh, wow. And y- oh, that's amazing. Goodness. Incredible, my Man, you're just spitting fire today. I think that concept is also wild that we serve a God who would share himself with people who don't believe in him. Yeah. Like, that's wild. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's important for, you know, for evangelism, sharing the gospel with others, because we're not— the, the person on the street, we're, we're not uh, encountering them as though they have no knowledge of God. Right. No, mm-hmm. Romans one eighteen, right? God has has put the knowledge of Himself in them, mm-hmm. right? That not because they're smart, not because they figured it out, but because God has put it there. They they know something of God. Romans one eighteen says His invisible attributes, right? Namely, His eternal nature and divine nature. Uh, so when we encounter that person, that person has, you know, maybe C.S. Lewis or, or, or Francis Schaeffer has mentioned, they have a religion instinct. And again, Acts 17, mm-hmm. people, I perceive that you're very religious. Everyone we talk to, right? right. Even the atheist has a religious instinct. Mm-hmm. They're worshiping something or someone. Mm-hmm. And we can step into their to their life and say, man, what you're seeking to worship, what you're seeking to find your life in, let me proclaim to you the true God mm-hmm. who, who has manifested, who's revealed himself in the way, the truth, and the life in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So cool. All right, our next question, which we've answered a little bit already, so just to maybe go a little bit deeper, which attributes of God, of his communicable or incommunicable attributes, are most important? John, why don't you take that? Yeah, I I was in a meeting once, and I heard someone say, if someone leaves a time with you and they have any other thought other than God is love, then you have misrepresented God. And I just, like, I heard it, and I'm like, that's so— wrong. Mm-hmm. You've just diminished all the other attributes of God. Like, you can't just say he's love because now you're not, exp- now he is, and, and John tells us this, but he is also just, and he is also righteous, and he is also true, and he's also holy. And so there's, y- y- you have to represent all of who God is, or you're not representing God. And so, especially, I think, in this day and age, with we don't want to offend and cancel culture and all that nonsense— People are like, well, concerned, like, well, if I, I want to say God is love because that's not going to hurt, that means acceptance and all that. And it's like, well, you also need to say God is just because if you don't, then they're going to think, well, then God loves me as I am in whatever sinful life I'm living and mm-hmm. 
which is where I used to be, I need to know about the justice of God mm -hmm. so that I would understand the wrath of God so that I might throw myself upon the mercy and grace of God through Jesus. And so it's so critical mm -hmm. that we understand who God is, what he's like, because he has revealed himself to us and it changes everything, not just for us, but how, as Orange just said, communicate with others. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. John, can I ask you a question? Are Please. you glad that God loved you enough to not leave you in your sin? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'm thankful, so thankful for his, uh, the justice that brought discipline, like turned me over to my sin, yeah. let me feel the gravity of it, laid it before me, uh, and all of that working together to save me from the hell in this life and forever in the next that I fully deserved yeah. because of who I used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, saw, I think that, you know, that draws, uh, it helps me draw confidence and, and strength. I mean, it's it's hard, right? In, in the conversation, it would be so easy to to love people and, and just leave them where they are. But but when I meditate on God's love for me, like he loved me enough to, to, to send the way, the truth, and the life for me. And we see God's love and justice meet on the cross, mm -hmm. right? As God lovingly sent his son and, 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 and God uh, executes justice as Jesus is a substitute for our sin. When, when I think about the way God loved me and didn't leave me in my sin, then, then it does empower me to, to be able to speak the truth to others. And, of course, speaking the truth in love. But it would be the most unloving thing 100%. to allow people to, to exist mm -hmm. in their sin because they're headed towards an, a, a destiny, an eternity of separation from God. Okay, I got to share this quick story, I promise. So I'm at Regeneration one night. That's our biblically-based, Christ-centered recovery program. And this guy wanted to talk, agnostic, atheist, kind of wrestling, searching, all that. He tells me about something horrific that he had done in his past that he had never told anyone. And I'm telling him about Jesus and you can be forgiven and hey, all of that, you can, you can, it's not just that one thing, it's it's all of them. And he's rejecting it. You know, I, I don't want Jesus, I'm not ready yet. And then he kind of sighs and he's like, you know, I I think that was really bad, and I th I think I'm a I'm actually a bad person. Hmm. And I paused and I leaned in and I said, You are, you are a bad person which can kind of feel harsh. And, and he didn't get up in that moment. You know, you think he'd be like, well, you're a jerk and like walk out. And he sat in it for a second. And I was like, but return like, and all of it can be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Gave him things to wrestle with. He gets up, walks away. And I'm just like aching, like, Lord, I'm just going to trust that I was planting or watering. You're going to make it grow. I don't know what. And then providentially, not by accident, not circumstance, we're walking out through the parking lot like way over there in the east lot and we start to we converge this is like an hour and a half later in the parking lot and he goes hey i want to thank you and i thought maybe he's going to thank me for the time i spent with him you know, there's a lot of people there he was like no one's ever told me that mm. i thought he meant the gospel i was like well man i'm, I'm glad to, i'm glad that you got to hear about jesus and he's like no that you told me i was a bad person man i can't stop thinking about that i i think you're right i was like brother I don't know if I said brother, because he's not yet, but I'm like, you can be forgiven tonight. You can be forgiven. Is anything keeping you from trusting Jesus right now? He's still wrestling. Lord save him. Hmm. But how unloving if I would have just said, man, it's okay what you did in the past. God's love. Mm -hmm. Deadness, sin, separated in hell forever. Yeah. That's awesome. It's good.
So I think to tie it back to an earlier conversation we had is there, when we think about the whole array of God's attributes, his incommunicable and his communicable and all the ones that exist underneath those, there are certain times in our life when certain of those attributes can feel more precious to us Mm -hmm. based on our experience, but it's important to understand them all fully and not elevate one to the diminishment of the other because then we wouldn't fully understand Mm -hmm. who God is fully, and that can just be dangerous territory. Reducing who he is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we've answered the question of what is God like. What I want to answer next is what is God not like? What are some misconceptions about him? Mm -hmm. So fill in the blank, or we'll start with you. God is not— Like us. Okay. Right? Uh, in, in the sense that he's not limited by the things that we're limited by. And again, we should draw, I draw much comfort from that, mm-hmm. right? Be- because I am well aware of my limitations. My limitations as, as a Christian, my limitations as a husband, my limitations as a father, my limitations uh, as, a, as a minister of the gospel. And, you know, I can sometimes project that back onto God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a good reminder and a needful reminder for me every day to say God is not limited by those things, right? God has everything that I need in himself, and he's provided everything that I need from himself, right? Through Christ, by the Spirit who indwells in me. And, and so I can walk in confidence, not perfectly, but walk in confidence that I can go to him for what I need and he'll give it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, John, how would you answer that question? God is not— yeah, I think this is important, especially um, for our listeners and viewers, because as they're uh, with their neighbors and coworkers and at home on Thanksgiving, and everyone's bringing all these different beliefs and religions, which are false religions, to the table and saying, like, well, that's that's who you believe God to be. This is who I believe God to be. Um, there are not many gods. There is one. He has revealed himself in creation through his word, through his son. So he is knowable. And so it's important we say he is not like this because as a person from Islam would say, like, well, it's Allah and he's just. And so the good need to outweigh the bad. Well, if he's just, then he's got to deal with the bad and he hasn't dealt with the bad. And therefore, he's actually not just. That's really important. Or in Hinduism, like, well, you've got to be good and then you'll be reincarnated and you'll be a little better. And then you got to be good and you'll be reincarnated. And eventually someday you'll be absorbed into Brahman. But there's 30 million gods and they each serve different functions. It's important that we know he's he's not like that. That's, again, a works-based. Every other mm-hmm. religion and cult is works-based. They're defilements of the truth. Teachings of demons, Scripture says, because Satan wants to draw people, God's creation, away from him to worship false gods that they would eternally be separated from God. Mm -hmm. And so it's so critical that we know who God is and who he is not so that we can faithfully worship him and then faithfully represent him Mm -hmm. to a dying world to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. Yes, so it's important for us to know who God is and who he's not because it helps us when people try to make other things like our God. Mm-hmm. And we can go, that's not what our God is like. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Because yeah. our God's not like anything. That's right. Awesome. Okay, I've learned a lot in this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us. So thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. We'll be back soon. Be sure to like and subscribe and have a great week of worship.